Africa rise and shine Africa zora Africa amka na unai Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabi Solohoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the summer. South Africa confirms third case of deadly coronavirus and protests and celebrations mark International Women's Day across the world. In economics news, Zambia buys artisanal gold to formalize unregulated mining. And in sports news, South Africa's Davis Cup promotion hopes crash. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. SABC News. Independent and impartial from an African perspective. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. South Africa's Health Minister Zulim Kize says the children of the couple in Hilton outside Peter Maritzburg in KwaZulu-Natal will remain in self-quarantine until the determined incubation period of the virus has lapsed. Although they've tested negative, Mkize says it's not surprising that the wife of the country's first coronavirus patient has also tested positive. The couple was part of a group of 10 people who travelled to Italy and returned to South Africa last Sunday. Another member of the group, a woman from Gauteng province, also tested positive and has been quarantined at the Charlotte Matleka Hospital. Mkize says the virus can and lie dormant in a person for up to 14 days before they test positive. The duration of their contact with their children was not expected that by now it would have converted the children to be positive because there's still going to be an incubation period and so on. So we didn't think the children would be infective to other people as it were. However, because they are together with them, they have to be checked because any time during this period, they could infect contract the virus and therefore their body will display a positive test to the virus. A 60-year-old German tourist has died in Egypt, becoming its first fatality from the coronavirus in the North African country. The man was taken to hospital with a fever after arriving from Luxor Friday. He was placed in intensive care but refused to be transferred to a designated isolation hospital. The number of people infected with coronavirus has stopped 106,000 across the world. This as the outbreak reaches more countries and causes more economic damage. Mainland China, where the outbreak began, has seen at least 3,097 deaths. However, the epidemic is now spreading faster elsewhere. Bangladesh on Sunday confirmed its first three cases of the coronavirus in the country. The Institute of Epidemiology, Disease Control and Research says the affected people are aged between 20 and 35 and two of them returned from Italy recently. Italy has meanwhile imposed sweeping restrictions on the movement of 16 million people to try to curb the spread of the coronavirus. These apply to the entire Lombardy region, Italy's richest, and 14 provinces elsewhere. The BBC's Mark Lowen reports. This marks a dramatic escalation of measures to tackle coronavirus by Europe's worst-hit country. Lombardy, Italy's richest region and home to 10 million people and the financial capital Milan, has been closed off to all but essential access. 
Fourteen other provinces are part of the quarantine area, including the cities of Venice, Parma and Modena. It is not a complete lockdown. Trains and planes will still run, but police will be able to limit movements. Schools and universities there are closed until early April, and swimming pools, theatres and museums are shut. Bars and cafes can stay open, but must ensure customers can sit a metre apart. Failure to observe the measures could lead to a fine or imprisonment. The cruise ship Grand Princess hauled at sea and barred from returning to San Francisco last week due to a coronavirus outbreak aboard the vessel has been directed to the nearby port of Oakland. The ship is carrying some 2,400 passengers and 1,100 crew members. The announcement kept four days of uncertainty surrounding the vessel. The ship has been linked with at least four coronavirus cases from an earlier voyage and the fate of 3,500 people returning from a cruise to Hawaii. And finally, Congolese President Felix Tshisekedi says the death of the country's top army spy last month was apparently due to hanging, but he did not spell out whether the military intelligence chief had killed himself. General Delphine Kahimbi's death on the 28th of February followed media reports that was being investigated for allegedly seeking to destabilize the country. At the time, his wife said he had suffered a heart attack at a weekly cabinet meeting last week. Tshisekedi said the United Nations peacekeeping force had asked him to conduct an independent investigation into Kahimbi's death. He told ministers the available evidence pointed to death by hanging, according to the minutes of the meeting. That's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African Time. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms, on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One, and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective. South Africa has confirmed its third COVID-19 coronavirus case. All three patients travelled as a group of 10 to Italy. Nine from the group returned to the country on March the 1st. This latest patient is confirmed to be the wife of the country's first confirmed case, the Hilton man from the Guazul-Natal province. The second patient, a 39-year-old woman, is being treated at the Charlotte Maitreke Hospital in Johannesburg. The Guazul-Natal health Provincial health authorities say they are adding more beds to isolation units in Pietermaritzburg and Durban should the needs arise. Minoshni Pillay reports. As South Africa enters its second week of dealing firsthand with the COVID-19 coronavirus, Health Minister Dr. William Kize has reassured the Pietermaritzburg community that the virus is manageable for those who may contract it and for healthcare practitioners too. He's engaged with the community after a couple from nearby Hilton that arrived back in the country from a holiday in Italy was diagnosed with the virus. So far, three South Africans inside the country have tested positive. Imkise explains that soon coronavirus will become one of the more common viruses. So if you get an infection once, it's not likely that it's going to come back again because the virus has changed its appearance and therefore the body doesn't recognize it. So at the moment, once you're treated, you should stay on without being uh, uh, infected easily again. Of course, it's a virus, it will keep changing. Others are asking about the vaccine. We don't have a vaccine for this one. 
will ultimately be we all have coronavirus, we've got influenza virus, we've got human papilloma virus, we've got rotaviruses, we've got uh, all sorts of viruses. Mkise also provided an update based on a recent conversation with the doctor treating the Hilton patient. How's your patient? said, my patient is well. And uh, to be honest, uh, Dr. Mkise, if this patient was an, another patient, I wouldn't have kept him in hospital, he's too well now, must go home. But I'm just waiting for some of the tests and so on, but I'm not worried about him at all. And I've then called the patient, the general, the, the, the gentleman myself, Hey, sir, how are you? Yeah, I'm okay. And uh, any symptoms? I'm better now. All those problems are gone. The two children of the Hilton couple have tested negative for the virus. Meanwhile, the South African Red Cross in KwaZulu-Natal says it's mobilizing its teams to begin to quell panic. Acting team leader of the aid organization in the province, Sia Bonga Klatswayo, says teams will begin to go into communities to spread information. We've had a workshop and we have started training our volunteers. Our volunteers being on the ground, what they are going to be doing, they are going to be spreading the information now in the communities. We do not want to cause any panic in the communities. So the moment we give people information, that way we are also controlling uh, panic in the community. Because if they know, they are aware of how to control and how to protect themselves, then that should calm the people, that should calm the situation as well. Mkiza has confirmed that of the estimated over 3,000 South Africans studying or working in China, no one has tested positive for the virus. He says the choice of whether or not to return home is left up to the individual, with some making the decision to remain in China. Meanwhile, Nedbank has confirmed that one of its Durban-based staff members is also currently under self-quarantine and is being tested for coronavirus. The employee was part of the group of South Africans who travelled to Italy. In a statement, the health department says it will receive the results of the remaining six members of the group in the next two days. I'm Minoshni Pale in Peter Maritzburg. Former South Africa's President Khalima Mutlante says women are likely to be the hardest hit by the deadly coronavirus that has to date claimed more than 3,300 lives. Mutlante was delivering the keynote address at the 4th International Women's Day Summit at the Sentin Convention Center in Johannesburg. Meanwhile, some private hospitals in South Africa have put contingency measures in place following a confirmed case of the virus in KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng provinces. Prabhashni Mudli reports. The event that was hosted by the Motsepe Foundation Center for Gender Equality and Leadership brought together leaders, organizations and civil society to engage in dialogue on the advancement of women. Motlante says because women are often at the forefront in the delivery of health care, it will increase their risk of contracting the deadly virus. COVID-19 has to date infected more than 98,000 people worldwide. Women be the hardest hit by the outbreak of disease as the majority of primary caregivers at home and in the healthcare workforce are women. With compounded adverse challenges of poverty, access to treatment and gender inequality, the world is likely to see women suffer disproportionately the most from pandemics such as the current coronavirus. Evidence shows that these gender inequities exacerbate the outbreak of disease Meanwhile, President of the Emergency Medicine Society of South Africa, Professor Mike Wells, says both the private and public healthcare systems in the country have sufficient capacity to contain the outbreak. 
Department of Health, both uh, the public sector and the private sector are very well organized um, in screening um, and in managing this and I think that we are very well positioned to take care of this um, as it may develop further in South Africa. The, the hospitals, both public and private sector, have very well developed protocols about what should be done with uh, patients who are suspected to be positive. So we have all the personal protective equipment that's required uh, and so doctors know to use that uh, and to protect themselves. And it is a problem if doctors uh, become exposed because then they have to self-isolate uh, and that does reduce the number of doctors that are available to care for patients. But there are good policies in, in place uh, and that should assist. Private hospitals group Life Healthcare has urged community members not to panic, to ensure constant hygiene and to regularly wash their hands or use alcohol hand sanitizer. The group's general manager for emergency medicine, Charles van Logerenberg. Testing of the COVID-19 coronavirus can only be done when a patient is symptomatic and meets World Health Organization travel history or close contact criteria. Symptoms are a fever above 38 degrees C, cough, sore throat, shortness of breath. If you have any of these symptoms and have traveled abroad to an infected COVID-19 area or have been in close contact with the infected local patient, please visit your general practitioner who will then liaise with us to ensure testing. Meanwhile, China's ambassador to South Africa has given the assurance that all South Africans trapped in his country, including in Wuhan, are taken care of and are unlikely to contract the COVID-19 virus. He says President Xi Jinping has issued stringent orders to ensure no Chinese national exports it to Africa. Prabhashni Mudli, SABC News, Johannesburg. In each and every one of us, there, there is a pebbles and graves. We were all meant to shine. It is up to an individual to, to realize, realize that, that pebbles. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Join me, Amanda Machaka, on Life by Design, where I will be talking to people who share their journey on how they discovered their pebbles with the hope to inspire you to, to live, live your life, life by, by design. design. Tune in to Life by Design for your dose, dose of Monday, Monday motivation. motivation every Monday at 8 a.m. Central African time and at 2 a.m. the following day. Life, life by, by Design, be the architect of your life. life. Only on Channel Africa, the African, the African perspective. perspective. I am Generation Equality, Realizing Women's Rights. That was a theme of the official commemoration of International Women's Day at the United Nations in New York, ahead of its observance yesterday, Sunday, the 8th of March. The Secretary-General called gender inequality the overwhelming injustice of our age, while other speakers rallied governments to move beyond rhetoric in a year. The world will mark the 25th anniversary of the Beijing Platform of Action to date, the most comprehensive blueprint for gender equality ever agreed. Show and Bryce Peace reports. A multi-Grammy Award winner and UNICEF Goodwill Ambassador using her voice and talent to bring attention to what the UN chief calls the biggest human rights challenge the world faces today. Antonio Guterres is the UN Secretary General. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Gender equality is a question of power. Men have used and abused power to control women and prevent them from achieving their potential for millennia. Deep-rooted patriarchy and misogyny have created a yawning gender power gap in our economies, our political systems, our corporations, our societies and our culture. 
He urged stakeholders and activists to keep up the pressure and to hold the world to account, arguing that generation equality means equal rights and opportunities for women and girls right now. As the audience heard from Sana Marin, the 34-year-old Finnish Prime Minister, among the less than 5% of women heads of government on the planet. I argue that the best way to get gender transformative policies is to have more women in high-level political decision-making positions. I want to pay tribute to all strong women politicians and leaders in this room, in Finland and elsewhere, who have pioneered in advancing the rights of women and girls. Without their hard work and without role models, I would not stand before you today. Liberian Nobel Peace Laureate Leymar Gbawi warned those in power that women's rights should not only become popular during election seasons. Gender equality must be an understanding that equality is linked to our collective humanity. It is linked to peace and justice, which for me means being willing to radically transform the systems and structures that hold women and girls down. These radical transformation must be actionable. After a stirring musical performance, Angelique Kidjo, who's been a goodwill ambassador for UNICEF since 2002, added her voice to the urgent calls to action. I don't think there's any men that have power without women having power. That's the thing that we have to understand. We have to teach our boys, young boys and young girls from the early age to respect one another. To tell your young boy, your power is in the way you treat women, not the other way around. So we've been sitting here year after year talking about women empowerment, gender equality, and we produce 75% of the world wealth. Why aren't we going on strike for one month and see how the men do it all around the globe? Because I think we talk and it doesn't make any difference. Action is what they understand the best. While 18-year-old trans-disabled fashion model Erin Phillip raised the key issue of violence against trans and non-binary people, which continues to be a global phenomenon. I want to be nothing more but a teenage girl from the Bronx who just lives her life, um, does her job the way she wants to do her job, and defies what people expect of her. But in a way, I truly am objectively a black trans-disabled model, and I'm also a black trans-disabled girl. And black trans women are at risk right now in society for existing. We get we get shunned and shamed and discriminated against and our experiences are discredited. We get killed for existing as who we are. And um, it would be wrong of me to not call action to that. UN Women earlier launched a report on the gaps that still need to be filled in order to ensure the Beijing platform becomes a reality in our lifetimes. Executive Director Pumzile Mlamonuka. A lot of work has been done, but our best is not good enough. We don't want to squeeze into 25% because what has come out of the report is that 
women occupy 25% of the space in power and in places of influence. 75% of the parliamentary seats are held by men. 73% of managerial positions are held by men. 70% of climate negotiators are men. So there's this 20, 25% that we're being squeezed into. Today, we are breaking out. We want to march to the 50% because 50% is what really matters. With calls for progress to be consolidated, despite the pushback being experienced on the women's agenda in some regions of the world. I'm Sherman Bricepies in New York. South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa says the Industrial Development Corporation has set a target of providing 10 billion rand of government and partner funding for women-empowered businesses over the next five years. The president was speaking at the opening of the Albertina Sisulu Skills Development Center in Dueling in the Free State Province on Sunday to mark International Women's Day. The center will be used as a shelter for abused women and has a section where women are taught economic empowerment skills. The Chinese government has helped to build the center. Ishmael Mudiba reports. President Cyril Ramaphosa has told thousands of women that International Women's Day is an opportunity to assess how far the nation has come in advancing gender equality across all spheres of society. Ramaphosa says women are equitably represented in government. He says they will continue to strive to ensure that there is sufficient gender representation in the key sectors such as the judiciary and the armed forces. He says they are engaging with the private sector to ensure that women are better represented in positions of management. This is also a time where we give recognition to women who have excelled in various spheres, many of whom are here with us today. We recognize that our peace our stability and prosperity as a nation rests on our enduring commitment to constitutionally guaranteed rights, to the constitutionally guaranteed right to equality between men and women, between black and white, and indeed between all our citizens. The Chinese embassy has helped to build a center for women in dwelling in the free state. China Ambassador to South Africa, Lin Xiontang, says he's pleased to work with the women in rural areas. So this is why we come here, your senators, to join you, to work together with your government, your party, and your people. I'm happy to announce that we, from the China, All China Women Federation, they decided to donate 600 sewing machines to the Women League of ANC. <laughs> I'm so touched. The women work very hard. So they came to my door to knock my door. I said, I press 30 com computer and five printer because his excellency is the chair of the committee of the fourth industrial revolution. Some of the women who observed the celebration had this to say. I'm just saying the president needs to be harsh, needs to give harsher punishment to, to the people that are committing the crime, the gender-based violence crime, yeah. The International Women's Day is a global day celebrating the social, economic, and cultural and political achievements of women. I'm Ishmael Mudiba in Dueling.
The third edition of the Pan-African Forum has closed in Casablanca, Morocco, with a call on Africa to rise up to more actions rather than talks in addressing climate impacts on the continent. The forum, also known as the African Women Journalists Forum, was attended by 300 female journalists in Africa. For more on this, Ntlantla Matlangu spoke to Mora Ayak, a journalist from South Sudan Catholic Radio Network. It's developing a new ideas, uh, creativity for uh, the platform that I serve for. And uh, from the other side, because I work for community radio, and then uh, it's compulsory for me also to be creative instead of just coming and attending without creating something back home. And also to uh, adapt the good stuff that uh, it's happening within the conference and then to reflect it back home. So you were one of the people who gave a case study about how climate change has affected your country. Can you just tell us more? Uh, Last year, our country experienced uh, heavy floods uh, that uh, displaced a lot of people. They were sleeping even uh, on the water. And then uh, even the whole house, it was full of water. Um, From the other side, because the country experienced uh, multiple conflicts, uh, the consequence, it was uh, insecurity and sometimes uh, you cannot just have access easily to other areas. So it was really hard for journalists also to have access to those areas unless there are some organizations that they are going there like FAO uh, and also UN agencies. Then they try also to make it limited for journalists to go. So what is it that you are hoping to take home from this conference? What would you like to see as an outcome of this particular gathering? The outcome is I want to see an African campaign on climate change that it can be implemented in the whole African countries. And then so people can be like knowing uh, the same awareness that I had in my country. It's also being implemented into the other country. Because sometimes you find out that uh, there is a theme within the conference, but like once the conference ended up, nothing being produced out of it. So my vision is like to make a legacy, to make a history of African. They are trying to clean up Africa itself uh, and then to have easy movement or easy access to other countries and then experiencing. For instance, people now putting uh, Rwanda as example and then some other countries that uh, are clean. So why not also to adapt the good system that they have and then to know how to make more out of it and to create awareness to other people because radio is the cheapest tool. So it's more easier for our people who doesn't know how to read or write. They can just adapt that idea and they can implement it. For instance, like planting trees, getting rid of uh, plastic bottles and then plastic bags and those stuff that is uh, harmful for the climate. You mentioned how climate change also affected your work as a journalist working in South Sudan. Please tell us more about that. Like as a female, I cannot go alone without any permission or without any other man who will escort me to the spot that I want to have uh, my work on it. So it's really hard for female journalists to have access alone and also as well for male. But the thing is because of the... It's like every person have their own system or their own mindset. They don't believe sometimes in journalists and sometimes even... Uh, they say like we are the troublemakers, but they don't. Sometimes they don't get it. It depends on on how we are supposed to harmonize uh, the relationship, and then how we understand the role of media. But only when there is emergency, that's the moment we find out that we are on the spot of attention. That people they are in need of us because of such emergencies. 
That was Mora Ayak, a journalist from South Sudan Catholic Radio Network, speaking to Channel Africa's Ndlandla Matlangu in Casablanca, Morocco. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. Kultranjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango, Channel Africa, Blantyre. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka. In Yaoundi. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa. Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story. What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment to our people. The government concurs with the views of the Black Economic Empowerment Council report that it is now necessary to make our policies on Black Economic Empowerment more explicit. Last May, I asked constituencies at NETLEC to discuss youth employment incentives. I'm pleased that discussion have been concluded and that agreement has been reached on key principles. We are on an ambitious drive to industrialize, to attract investment and to create more jobs for the youth of our country. They don't have jobs. Tried looking for a job for it's a year and a half now. The challenges were experience and the, the level of education which I have. Channel Africa. Our headlines up next with Anne Musa. SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussan. The headlines, Italian health officials are urging nations across the globe to prepare for more cases of the coronavirus outbreak. And a strike in Somalia has killed a senior commander of the militant Islamist group Al-Shabaab. And Congolese President Felix Tshisekedi says the death of the country's top army spy last month was apparently due to hanging, but he did not spell out whether the military intelligence chief had killed himself. Those are the stories making headlines. SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. When I think back to my childhood, geographically, it reminds me of a time where I was black and only black and only struggling, but at the same time, always reaching for something more, something bigger in a South Africa that was hostile. Hello, Africa. This is 1000 African Voices, and I'm your host, Avurengui. Join me on Channel Africa every Thursday morning between 8 and 9 and on Saturday and Sunday morning between 9 and 10. 
Rise Africa Rise Channel Africa the voice of the African Renaissance South Africa's ruling ANC in the Gauteng province says that it's ready for the by-election in the Tswane Metropolitan Municipality following the provincial government's decision to place the metro under administration. Briefing the media, Premier David Makura said that the decision to dissolve the municipal council was due to political instability in the city, which has led to continuous failure to pass budgets, elect a mayor, supply water and pay its creditors, among other things. This comes after three months of political battles over the control of the city. The ANC and EFF have failed in their bids to unseat the DA with a motion of no confidence. Nomaliso Mandel reports. Invoking Section 139.1c of the Constitution, Gauteng Premier David Makura said fresh elections for a new Tswane Council would take place within 90 days. Speaking to the SABC, the ANC's provincial head of elections, Lebuhang Maile, said they are gearing up for a decisive victory. Their confidence has grown on the ANC because they've seen that the ANC has got their best interest at heart and they've also seen that the DA-led municipality does not have their interest and it has failed dismally to provide quality services to them. So we will be going back uh, to our people with a story that says when we were governing in Tswane, things were much better. And when DA governed, things became worse. And therefore, we urged them to give us another chance. Responding to a question about the divisions that led to violent protests in the region in 2016, after the party's NEC chose Dogo Didiza over the rival leaders, Josien Suramukhopa and Mapiti Matsena, Maile said that they've learned from their mistakes. That is not going to happen. As you know, ANC, it's a very progressive, dynamic organization. It's a learning organization. And because we're a democratic organization, we would also engage in a process of making sure that our branches contribute on how best do we reposition ourselves and what kind of strategy do we put in place. At an aerial level, we have a sense of what needs to be done and we are confident that we will be able to win convincingly. Maile would not be drawn into commenting about who the party will be fielding as their mayoral candidate. At this point, we are not talking about who's uh, our candidate. We are uh, casting our eyes and focused on victory. And once we win, because this is not about positions, it's not about status, it's about restoring uh, stability, it's about restoring the dignity of our people and making sure that uh, we provide quality service delivery. Political analyst Dr. Tasoma Doda Figeni believes that the party is in a relatively good position to go into elections. This time around, the province has a relatively stable leadership and the Tswana region has a relatively stable leadership and they do not seem to be in a hurry to go into the mayoral position or they are even open up to possibility of waiting until 2021. So to that extent, you don't see the same pressure. And also they have tasted being in the opposition. So their stakes are not as high as when they didn't even know how to process the notion of being out of power. That was political analyst Dr. Somadota Figeni ending that report by Nomalizo Mandela in Johannesburg. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One, and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective.
As Ghana marks its 63rd anniversary of independence, many young Ghanaians are not optimistic about what the future holds for them. The West African country gained its independence from Britain on the 6th of March in 1957, becoming the first sub-Saharan African country to achieve independence from the United Kingdom. This year's anniversary is being commemorated under the theme, Consolidating Our Gains. For more on the independence anniversary and what it means for young Ghanaians, Channel Africa's Kumbele Munjelele spoke to Tahiru Lukman, an author and youth activist. If you read the historical record, it tells you that the pace at which Ghana was moving after attaining independence from British West Africa was phenomenal. And growing up young people, the sense of enthusiasm to the part of this colorful occasion cannot be overemphasized. But uh, I have observed very critical and have come to the conclusion that after 63 years of independence, our educated elite, the political class, have not done much to consolidate the game of Ghana's liberation struggle as we attained independence in 1967. We might have not lived in the early days of independence, but later part of Ghana's historical development, we have come to realize that a lot has not been done to transform the country in terms of the sound social, political, and economic fundamentals that has been laid by the founders the founder, uh, with Dr. Kwa Mukuma being a significant pillar. Of course, celebrating independence as a country, it is, it is laudable. Who doesn't want to celebrate independence? If we are talking about political independence, do we have the sense of self uh, resilience? Do we have a control of our political affairs? Do we have control of our cultural affairs? Do we have control of our social affairs? It is this gap that we think as young Ghanaians, as Africans, that much has not been done by our political leadership. We have become highly infested with issues of social and economic stagnation. Corruption is becoming endemic. Security is a concern. We even have our police and armed forces that have become victims of mob attacks. The very people who are to defend us have been losing their life in the land of duty. Justice has not been set. It has to now do with the only political elite taking advantage of our social and national status. And the youth have been left for granted. Unemployment is surging. So, though that we are celebrating, of course, because we have attained that freedom. But do we have the true meal of freedom to reflect in our life? It is something that, as a young and in our African, a bonafide that much has not been done. Why do you think politicians are not in touch uh, with what is happening on the ground? You see, politics as a sense of ideological approach has been replaced with a community of elites to loot and share. That is the thinking of the modern political activists in Ghana in Africa. Though there are examples that we could appreciate where young other politicians are leading the past. But in our case, it's become a community of looters and they enrich themselves, make money and think about their own welfare. We have a national scholarship scheme that was expected to support and sponsor needy but a brilliant student but yet, you see a minister of state becoming a beneficiary, a minister of state stand become a beneficiary, a member of parliament become a beneficiary. Then where, that, where lies the description of the brilliant but needy student? Are those in governance who are supposed to protect the national coffees now privileged people or underprivileged people to benefit from that scheme? So these are what are many ways 
of the issues of corruption that we think that they are doing the national coffers. However, I am proud that at least if you read the history record, we have been a pioneer member in advancing the African liberation, credit to Dr. Kwame Nkrumah, but we are not consolidating the gain, and that is my concern as a young Ghanaian. Now, do you think Nana Akufo Ado's government understands the seriousness of uh, this problem because you have repainted a gloomy picture there? Let me quickly admit that my article is not only reference to the government of the day, but especially the return to constitutional rule in the former republic, we have been on the descendancy. It is not necessarily reflecting on the happening of the government. However, has also even tried to even disconnect Ghana with its historical front. He is advancing as even an agenda to even show that Okuruma is not a true liberator of Ghana. Remember, he has made Okuruma's birthday that is supposed to be another holiday, only a ceremonial day, and he has changed the founders' day to the day in which the, the party of his grandfather, the United Volvo Converter, was formed in force against 1947 as the founders' day. He is trying to reconstruct Ghana. He's emphasized that he has not shown commitment in fighting corruption. He has no shown commitment in advancing economic potential. He has borrowed more than other previous government. And how does those money reflect on our economic improvement? That's uh, Tahiru Lukman, Ghanaian author and youth activist on the line from the capital, Accra, speaking to Kumbhile Munjalele. The United States of America has extended sanctions on some Zimbabwean politicians for another year, citing lack of political will to effect reforms. When the U.S. government imposed sanctions on the late former President Robert Mugabe in 2003, it was due to human rights abuses. Zimbabwe then said sanctions were illegal as they only came after the land grab that left more than 30 white farmers dead. Channel Africa's Simon Machema has more from Harare. When sanctions against the elite in the Zimbabwean government were imposed in 2003, Mugabe responded saying it was because the West was bitter with the land reform. Sanctions became the only trump card for the ruling Zanupia for their failure to deliver quality lives for their citizens. Human rights abuses were the main cause for the imposition of sanctions worsened with the 2008 election campaign violence and 2018 election shootings topping. Even in the absence of Robert Mugabe, the Zimbabwean government continued to act badly, leading to the USA government extending sanctions by another year last week. Former ZANU-PF Youth Secretary Pupuraito Garepi had this to say.
Meanwhile, Zimbabwean political analysts such as Innocent Kagodora have always said sanctions were not imposed because of the land reform, but the human rights abuses. Here is what Innocent said regarding the land reform propaganda by the ruling ZANU-PF. Despite the fact that President Emerson Mnangagwa admitted that his country needed to carry out political reforms, his government, on one hand, continued to blast the West for reacting to his failure to walk the talk. No wonder his followers like Togarepi are singing a different tune in public regarding sanctions and reforms. And that report by Wisani Makubele. Our economics update up next with Tabiso Luhuku. A very good morning. South Africa's power utility, ESCOM, says it will implement Stage 1 load shedding from 9 o'clock this morning until Thursday. It says that this is due to an increase in the number of unplanned breakdowns at its power stations. The power utility says that the system is currently constrained, unpredictable and vulnerable. Spokesperson Sukonati Manjaja says that demand has also incrementally risen since January, putting pressure on their aging fleet. This is due to the high number of breakdowns that we have experienced over the weekend and late last week and the and the delay in some units that were, as we were planned to come back to service this week. They will now return to save it in the, in the course of the week. We urge the people of South Africa to cooperate with us and help reduce demand in order to lessen the impact of load shedding. The South African National Union of Metal Workers of South Africa, NUMSA, has vowed to continue its sit-in at the Lanxus Chrome Mine in Rustenburg in the northwest province after two parties have failed to reach an amicable solution. The union is demanding that mine management investigate alleged corruption and maladministration at Lanxus Chrome. Union members have been on a sit-in underground for three weeks now. NUMSA organizer at the mine... Mary Buase. 
They know that they are on strike, they are not getting their salaries, but what is critical is the corruption. Mind you that workers are 26% shareholders in this mine, and they cannot afford to see the mine being looted by some people in senior management in this company. Zambia's mining investment arm Zambia Consolidated Copper Mines Investment Holding has started buying gold from artisanal and small-scale miners in a bid to formalize the unregulated sector whose ranks have swelled worldwide as gold prices soar. Governments across Africa are scrambling to tackle informal mining of gold, which has significant health and environmental risks and contributes to illicit flows of money, depriving states of revenue when the metal is smuggled across borders. Ethiopia, for example, runs artisanal gold buying centers which offer a higher price than the going market rate to attract miners away from the black market. The price of Brent crude has fallen by 25% in Asian trade so far this morning, trading at $32.10 a barrel. Compared with $47 per barrel at the close of the Johannesburg Stock Exchange on Friday, this is the biggest loss for the price of oil since 1991 after Saudi Arabia slashed prices and set plans for a big increase in crude production in April. The Saudi move is seen as the start of a price war after Russia refused to cut oil production proposed by the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries to stabilize oil markets, which are being hit by worries over the global spread of the coronavirus. Tunisia's Prime Minister, Alice Fakfak, has cut the country's economic growth forecast for the year. To 1% from 2.7% envisaged in the 2020 budget, he told the local Maghreb newspaper that the coronavirus crisis would knock half a percentage point off growth. The US dollar is trading at 363 Nigerian Nara 72, 10 Botswana Pula 98, and at 101 Kenyan Shilling 33, and at 15 Zambian Gwaja 21. In BRICS currencies, one US dollar will cost you four Brazilian roll 62, 68 Russian ruble 77, 73 Indian rupee 61, six Chinese yuan 93, and 15 South African rands 42. The US dollar 77 pence British pound, 89 cents euro, golden thousand 693 dollars, platinum 888 dollars per ounce of the price of brand crude oil is at 33 dollars 90 cents a barrel. It's Channel Africa from an African perspective. A sports update up next with Figile Lingwati. First up in our sports update, we will begin with uh, cricket news. The South African women's cricket national team landed back home from the 2020 ICC Cricket Women's T20 World Cup to hundreds of delighted fans at the OR Dumbo International Airport at Kempton Park, east of Johannesburg at the weekend. The side crashed out of the tournament during the semi-final stage on Thursday, falling agonizingly short to host Australia. 
Prior to bowing out, the Proteas women had finished unbeaten in the group stages, beating England in their opening match before a record-breaking victory against debutants Thailand, as well as sitting victory against Pakistan and the West Indies. Coach Hilton Mureng shares his gratitude. On behalf of the team management, we would like to thank everyone for your support. When we left, it was a week before the schools reopened. We're coming back with almost a week before the term is closed, so it shows you the time that we've been gone. I must commend the team for the way they stayed focused on the job at end. For us to have stayed together the way we played from the first day to the last game of the group, it shows that the girls, the determination that they... Yes, Mr. Williams, we wanted to go there. The plan was to win the World Cup. We were five runs short at the end of the day. It shows that the growth in the team, the determination and the way they played. I mean, they showed they were great ambassadors for the country. And that we can't take away from the ladies' management. Big thumbs up for you guys. I know it wasn't easy. I think the captain also touched on that. The reason that everything other than the support and everyone that has been on board, Momentum and CSA, our families are the big heroes of this. I mean, the understanding, challenges we had to connect with them, we've been so time zones. For your patience, understanding, always being supportive, we appreciate that because through you, you allow us the space to be able to do what we do and some of us to do what we love. So on that, thank you. Football News, South African National Women's Football Team, Manyana Manyana, have beaten neighbours Lesotho 3-0 in an international friendly match played at the Zakane Stadium east of Johannesburg. Following the disappointment of fa- failing to qualify for this year's Olympic Games in Tokyo, Banyana Banyana's focus has shifted to the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers later in the year. But first, the team will have to defend their Kosafa Cup title in September. This was Banyana Banyana's first match of the year after months of inactivity. Defender Lebohang Ramalepe led the side in the absence of captain Janine van Weeg. The match against Lesotho also marked goalkeeper Andy Lezamini's 50th national team appearance. Roda Mulaudzi scored a brace in the first half with Sibulele Holweni scoring the third goal in the second half. Tennis news. The Indian Wells tennis tournament, the most prestigious event outside the Grand Slams and Tour Finals, was cancelled last night over concerns about the spread of the coronavirus in Southern California. The tournament and Masters 1000 event that was supposed to start tomorrow attracted the game's top players from both the men's and women's sides and drew a record of 475,000 fans over its two-week run last year. The news comes on the heels of the cancellation of Music and Entertainment Festival South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, also out of concern about the virus. Tournament director Tommy Haas says organizers are prepared to look at the possibility of holding the tournament on another date. And finally, this is about football news. No, this is golf now. We English Tyrell Hutton, who secured a one-stroke victory over Mark Lishman at the Arnold Palmer Invitational in Florida yesterday after hitting a series of clutch shots over the dangerous final stretch, culminating with a rock-solid par at last. He tapped in from the west to 0.6 meters to clinch his first PGA Tour victory with a 2 over par 74 on another windy day at Bone Dry Bay Hill in Orlando. That's the Sport News this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka, 
Recapping our top stories on Africa virus and shine at the Sawa, South Africa confirms third case of deadly coronavirus and protests and celebrations mark International Women's Day across the world. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumuzo Ramagaza and Jane Rabutata, technical producer Murray Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.org or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa. Our taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Letambulu with a song titled Nomalizo. Mm-hmm.